Welcome to our latest Tap Talks HR podcast. This time I'm really pleased to have Laura Pettit as our guest. Laura is the Talent and Engagement Director at News UK. Welcome, Laura. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, I, I know we want to talk about um, uh, different parts of HR and the big picture, and everything, but there's something I really got to ask you before we get going. I was looking on your LinkedIn profile, and it says that you're a self-professed people geek, and I just really want to know, what do you think of when you're saying self-professed people geek? Good question. So there are probably two strands to that. So there's a People Geek community, which is part of an engagement platform called Culture Amp, but it's a pretty good community. So it's not necessarily about their platform. It's about learning from people in industry, people outside of industry, actually. So for me, a People Geek is somebody that really cares about people. So that that sounds a bit tribe, actually, but I love meeting people. I like spending time with people, but mostly learning from them, and especially in my job. So it's kind of just taking the time to understand what's out there, what new technologies are out, what are other people doing that we could learn from so that we can make things better for people at work. Okay, and and that's really interesting because that links directly back into your role, doesn't it, here at News UK. And you look after L&D, recruitment and engagement. So I'm sure that's a a seven-day-a-week job uh, at the best of times but what are your what are your you think the challenges are in these this area of L&D engagement and recruitment and how do they link together um definitely seven days a week at the moment and I think there are lots of challenges probably the top one is what do we stand for in the first place when I say we I don't necessarily mean News UK but actually quite often I think people initiatives or programs are designed without us knowing what we're trying to achieve or what we stand for so I think the biggest thing is making sure that we're all aligned on our employer value proposition and for us actually it's defining that so whilst we know who we are for our customers and clearly the two should be very closely linked if not identical there's a little bit of work to understand with our different brands how we link that for our people working here so that they can migrate across different departments and platforms and then I think it's I, th- I think it's probably how do you link those different elements especially if you think we have HRDs as well so how do we all work together and we all get the best out of the programs that we're delivering but how do we look at the linkage so thinking commercially but also about the best for our people it's you know, if we're spending this much money on recruitment, what's the purpose of that? Who are the people that we're trying to attract and why are we trying to attract them? So what's the business objective? What What's the world saying about the skills or the future workforce of tomorrow? And are we, are we equipped for that and are we building into it? How does that then link with our talent plans? So talent, if I look at it just in the L&D specific function, if we're developing people, are we... Are we as a business gaining from them developing and are they personally gaining from that development? So by that, did we? is there ROI to the training programme that we put them on? And that sounds quite callous, but you do need to think about those things. So is there ROI from the training programme we're putting them on? Are we recruiting people? And this is where the linkage comes in. So are we recruiting people, but they're losing quickly, we're losing them, and in which case, what's our engagement telling us? So is it actually that we need to stop recruiting because we need to work out how we drive levels of engagement for these teams or individuals is it actually that we say we keep recruiting we're never going to find people with these skills because they don't exist or they're hard to find in which case is that where we leverage the learning and development team to say actually we should be helping you step up and here's how we're going to do it 
So I think linking all of those, but also looking at it commercially. And that's probably the biggest challenge. It's using the data effectively and almost looking at us as a, if our employees are our consumers and our leaders are our stakeholders, for example, it's really how do we pull all of that together in a way that says everything that we do has a commercial outcome. It doesn't mean that we're cold and we don't care about our people. But often I think when people think about engagement, and we discussed this on the phone last time, it's a really hot topic at the moment, and it's, I've worked in it for quite a few years, but engagement isn't about saying, can I make you happy with a ping pong table? It might be about saying, how do we have better conversations with each other and how do we build trust? And maybe we do that around a ping pong table, but that's not an answer or a solution. And I think going back to EVP, too often people think, this is how we'll make everything better. It's not really what drives people. So it's it's how do you pull all of that together and how are you commercial in your decisions then so that your CFO is happy but actually so that you can then start to look at where we reinvest the money and make sure that where we were investing it in in the first place is the right place to put it so using cool tech is amazing but if there's no outcome from it if it doesn't drive engagement if it's just there as an add-on why would we use it transversely if we've got some really cool tech that we say actually there's some really um, interesting tech coming out for recruitment and learning and development especially around vr which i'm fascinated by but as much as it's really sexy if there was no point to it why would we do it so it's just testing and maybe becoming a bit more agile which I know everybody talks about. Well, I was in tech for years, so it's really how do we work in an agile way in HR so we can become more iterative and stop doing things that aren't working and do things more that are. And that's, that's really interesting. I mean, there are so many points you've covered there. That's a great opening, a couple of sentences. Um, but, uh, I mean, there's that thing about technology being the enabler. But one thing I was really interested in, it's it almost like you're talking about HR as a, a commercial business within a business. So it needs to be thinking about its employees as its customers and its leaders as its stakeholders and the exco, etc. And you've got some of those key components within inside of your role, some of the, the, the big parts. And if I'm thinking about an actual commercial business, yeah, finance talk to marketing, that talk to sales, because especially marketing and sales, those two go hand in hand, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So thinking about your L&D function, you were talking about ROI. Stepping back from the obvious a bit, where do you see ROI within inside of learning and development? Because this is probably one of those conversations that that have gone on for years so for you personally what is ROI when it comes to learning and your people it's a really difficult one so some people might listen to this and hate me for saying it because you should there's a lot around purpose isn't there and why we all come to work and really what we need to get our employees doing is having fun the more fun they have likely the more productive they will be and that's the whole commitment and that's the that's the contract of employment which goes back to it's not necessarily about giving you a ping pong table but it is about giving you autonomy and respect and allowing you the freedom to do your job and also make decisions and feel purpose your responsibility back to us as an employer is turning up on time and doing that job and whether or not turning up on time is flexible working that's almost a, a metaphor I would say I think from a learning and development perspective we need people to enjoy what they're doing and we want them to have fun when they're learning otherwise it's forced upon them no one likes compliance training even if it's necessary but I think for me an ROI on that and this is hard to quantify but we are actually looking at how we quantify it we just haven't achieved it as yet 
it's it's everything from has that person stayed longer as a result of that training have they become more productive as a result of that training for them personally are they more engaged with us as an employer but also just as their roles themselves because we want them to be happy daily in terms of what they're doing so that's the biggest ROI it's really looking has has it led to attrition has it led to promotions has it led to higher levels of engagement and therefore the byproduct of that being clearly higher levels of productivity it's a difficult one if you're if you're a real believer in people developing so if you think about someone will learn a guitar but they're not getting paid to learn a guitar they're just learning the guitar because they love it well if you're in work you really want them to love their job in the first place so it's why it all has to link and I know that's utopian and not everyone loves their job but it that's why it's so closely linked to recruitment I think because if people are doing the job through inertia or because they feel like they should be doing it no amount of training is ever really going to have an impact on them. They're still going to do their job. They're just never really going to do it to any level that they probably could achieve if we put them in the right place, which links again into OD, I would suggest. So that's a really long-winded way of answering. I don't have the answer, but they're the things I would look at. But I don't think you can look at it in isolation. And that's really interesting because that brings you us back to the point you were saying about technology. And I think um, it, the reason... L&D ROI has been so hard so far is because it's subtle and it pulls on a number of different levers and it's not the obvious one like uh, did you attend the course and how much did the course cost per person and I think the world of analytics machine learning and everything is allowing us now to almost look at all these subtleties like you were saying about how many people have left subsequently how many people have been promoted and you can start looking at patterns over a number of years that no single person, even HR or not in HR, could have looked at that landscape because it takes too long to look at it. So I think we're starting to get to the world of analytics now where actually we can start putting that ROI in place. Um, I love your metaphors. We've had guitar and ping pong tables so far. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. I don't play either. <laughs> or at the same time. Um, but uh, it's, it's really interesting because um, the reason I go back to that is because I think when you think of engagement, there's a, there's a difference between engagement and the employee experience. And I think the engagement part is that psychological contract that you were talking about, about what do people bring to work and what does work bring to that relationship. Whereas I think the employee experience can be uh, as, as as funny as like sticking a, a ping pong table in if it generates a great experience for that employee at that moment when they're in work and I think sometimes we confuse the two together kind of thing and we think therefore the engagement is the ping pong table so um, that's really cool um, I suppose from my point of view this is fantastic and, and, and I know we've spoken before we came on here with some some great conversations we've had mm-hmm. Can you pull on anything that you might be doing currently inside of News UK that is starting to chip away at these areas that you're passionate about? Yeah, so in terms of initiatives, we're running loads actually, which is really exciting, also hard work. Um, Just picking up on your last comment with engagement and experience being different, we're starting to run those initiatives now. So actually our population don't know, they will do, but we haven't communicated just yet. So we're running experience surveys and that might sound to some people like survey fatigue comes in but we've been I think very smart in the way that this has been designed like anything we won't know until we start and if we haven't been smart it doesn't work we'll change and we'll adapt but the idea is that we'll run an engagement survey which does look at your drivers and the things that you just touched upon and they are different 
we'll then look at experiential uh, surveys and we do things here through qualitative and quantitative analysis and there's still a part that you you don't want to lose your intuition so we don't want to become robotic in our approach and say but the data said this we do want to be smart and work with psychologists around what the data is saying or use platforms that already pull that in so from an experience perspective we've got lots of opportunities we're going to go though from no surveys to a fair few so we're we're taking the approach that enough to get information not so much that people you know kind of run away it's the sort of thing something comes through so we'll uh, survey everybody that interviews through us whether they are successful or unsuccessful and then we'll start to look at from that you know where did you hear about us in the first place that's smart from an ROI perspective because it lets us know what job boards we're using that are effective what meetups or what events we attend what awards etc actually have a return for us or it will allow us to look at things like diversity so if we're then using our application tracking system and we say well actually we thought we had an issue hiring at the hiring point but actually we've got an issue attracting people we can go back to where are you coming from that obviously links into an ATS and that probably simplifies it we can look at everything from did you like the recruitment agent or the agent that we have because we've just gone through a complete restructure of recruitment and that actually went live on Friday so that's another initiative that we're doing so we'll do that then at the three month point auto generated mails will go out to everybody that's just started sorry three months after so an onboarding linked closely to recruitment which we'll look at was your perception met by reality when you came here or is there a disconnect because if there is we really need to look at our value proposition did you have everything you needed when you started if you didn't what was missing and the reason that we do that at three months and it's a trial again is that if we do it after a week or two I think that's too soon people are still in the kind of the euphoric I've got a new job I hated my last one or this is what I've always wanted to do if we do it five weeks in I think they're probably going to be in a similar place but they'll also um, not have been here long enough, I think, to really be able to give us some valuable feedback. People may disagree, and that's why we're trying it. So we've agreed on three months on the basis that you've been here long enough to get a feel for the organisation, not too long to have a loyalty where you then are afraid to say, actually, you could do this better out of fear of hurting someone's feelings. So that's the three-month point. From an experience carrying on, and the linkage is the exit surveys, it would be great to get to a point where they're not needed, but that's unrealistic at the moment. And all of the questions interlink, so we can start then to be really smart, going back to seeing patterns, to understand what we can do better, what we are doing well. So we focus on the right things, so we can build that in working with the executive teams to say, if this is where you want the business to go and we need people to take us there, these are the types of things we think we can help enable that change or that growth, whatever else it might be. Then we'll also put in, which doesn't link quite so much, but people that go on training will then be surveyed. And this might sound like survey fatigue, but we're using a platform, it's not SurveyMonkey, it's quite quick and it's mobile enabled. And the purpose of that for me is to say, actually, did you get anything out of it? Did you know why you were on it in the first place? So that when we are delivering training programs, they're genuinely fit for purpose and going back to the fun they, they do need to be fun I think for people to walk away and go I remember that it had an impact on me day to day we haven't yet decided how we're going to do that because if we do it straight after are we going to get the results from the questions sorry are we going to get 
the right feedback maybe it might make more sense that you do it three months after someone's gone on training we haven't figured that bit yet yeah because that's that's an interesting one i love by the way the fact that you're you're doing a um, survey with people who are successful and not successful mm-hmm. at the same time because that has the, the double effect of one finding out some really cool information about your recruitment and selection process but also it really feeds into your brand and and your proposition that actually even though you weren't successful this time with us we still want to talk to you and i think too many times um, recruiting teams actually just drop people and and it almost leaves a, a slightly sour taste in the mouth with those people actually it's that those people might then know someone who will be your next cfo and that's that yeah it's exactly that so yeah. it's the if you think about the consumer brand it shouldn't be any different employer versus consumer if you look at apple you look at google the reason people work for them is they have an affinity with the brands there's a real danger if we interfere with that affinity with the brand or where still we have someone that wasn't aligned to us and we could have ultimately brought them on board because that person ends up being a customer and an advocate or mps terms um i completely lost what i was going to say but they could you know, the complete opposite and they could turn around and not read the paper anymore because of the way we treated them also means my recruitment team start to build the right behaviours I don't mean that they haven't got them already they're incredible so I think this is a sweeping generalisation and lots of new tech companies are quite far forward I think lots more corporates are less so often recruitment is either outsourced to RPO or potentially you have recruiters and recruitment coordinators we've deliberately hired industry experts so my sales recruiters with 13 years in agency as a sales recruiter and there's some logic behind it that I'm certainly hoping will work and the same with the technology guys we need to drive a culture where we're recruiting more frequently and using agencies less and that's by building talent pools it's not just sourcing it's being a bit smarter in our approach it's also thinking about was someone here two years after you recruited them and some of those behaviors I think will build in by making sure we're treating people in the right way otherwise I could end up with a team that place eight people a month but actually that experience for the hiring manager and the candidate was awful yeah and, and i love the fact that what, what you're doing is you're, you're looking at all the different parts of your almost employee journey and you're actually trying to think in isolation what we can, can we do here but then also linking it together um so that's fantastic um, i mean as per normal with these tap talk hr po- podcast time is our enemy and we're already coming to the end of our time together um yes i can't believe it either um <laughs> so so but what i would say is, is there's some really interesting stuff and, and you have got this wonderful role with l d recruitment and engagement all together for people who've been listening and taking some thoughts about what you've been talking about and your hints and tips and everything is there one last thing you would say is something that's, that's really going to positively change the work here at news U- news uk either something you're doing now or something you want to do that you think is actually the game changer inside of this this area as much as i said don't lose your intuition i think it's it's being more commercial as a function but it's looking at the experience and the data that's coming out of the different touch points so we can actually start to affect change and working really closely with the business areas. So HR, I'm not necessarily talking about News UK, but just as a whole, can, not always, but can quite often be seen as the people that are the police or that you're afraid to bring in because we're talking about something negative. I think really to push this forward, it's about 
redressing that balance and being seen as a genuine partner and by that at a level where you can push back and say I don't agree with you this is why I don't agree with you and what you say is is valued and really listened to so almost getting to a level and this isn't I just kind of reiterate this isn't just news this is full stop it's about having cross-functional teams of experts so you know your finance person is an expert your people person is an expert your sales person is an expert but if a people person always tries to solve a people problem on their own, they're probably not going to because they're going to be surrounded by people that think the same as them, that came through the same route as them nine times out of ten and will look at solving a problem in the same way. But if you bring in someone from marketing, you bring in someone from sales, in my case someone from editorial, all of a sudden you've got lots of smart people in a room that, that break down that challenge in a different way. Yeah, I think perceptions and perspectives is, is always a great thing for any business problem and I think people, practitioners are probably just as um, just as important in that sense as well. Uh, Laura, it's been fantastic today. Thank you very much for doing the conversation. It's been great. Thanks for your time. Thank you. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening in today. Um, if this is your first time listening to a Tap Talks HR podcast, then you've been missing loads. But do make sure you follow us on your favourite podcast platform. And if you have any comments or feedback, then do get in contact with us at tapsolutions.com. So that's it for today. We'll be back with another Tap Talks HR podcast in two weeks' time. Thanks. Bye.